All right. Good evening. Today is Tuesday, May 18th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter step is how it works. Step three. And my name is Melissa P and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. All right, let's get going here. So um, good evening, my friends. Thank you so much for having me here tonight. I've got 20 minutes and I'm from upstate New York. So we're just going to get this party started here. Um, I love step three. Everybody gets like goo goo gaga for 10, 11, 12, which I think are every step is available. But really for me, it was step three. Um, the second time around, the third time around in the steps that um, I started to wake up. Um, on page 58, it says, some of us tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result, the result was nil until we let go absolutely. And for me, that's the beauty of the set aside prayer. Um, you know, and, and also though, the practice of setting aside, setting aside our expectations, setting aside the story of our lives that we think we're entitled to, or the directions of life that we think other people need to abide by. Um, you know, for me, I have to set aside every day, every day. Um, what I think I know about recovery, my program, right? Because I don't know anything, all right? I'm the first one to tell you, I don't know anything. Um, I need to set aside what I think I know about God, my higher power, whatever that looks like for me on that day. I need to set aside also, though, what I think my life is supposed to look like. Um, you know, step three says we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And you know, part of this is from the book and part of this is my story when I gave over the keys, right? Um, so first, I just want to qualify real quick. Um, I'm going to show you some pictures. I'm not always great at Zoom, so bear with me here. Um, ooh, move out of the way, little header guy. I'm trying to get to my pictures, but it doesn't want to go up. Let me see. Maybe if I take a deep breath, it'll go. Oh, okay. Maybe Amy can help me. See, I knew. I guess that's one thing. Anyway, um, so I had a pretty dismal childhood. Um, for me, so I'm a social worker in the world uh, and a therapist, and I teach kids a lot about stranger danger, even though that's not really a thing statistically. And uh, food for me you know, became the warm comfort of, of family and friends. So I don't have any pictures of me when I was a little girl, but um, when, I was, when I was little and alone a lot and going through a lot of hard things, the disease slid its hand into mine ever so gently, you know, and, and that was my childhood, me and the food on my adventures. Um, you know, and, and, and off we went. And by 12, I was 200 pounds. Uh, and by the time I graduated high school, I weighed over 350 pounds. So, you know, wearing this like cloak and this label of like the fat friend, the funny friend, I was the party. Um, Cause I felt like I didn't have anything to offer. And, you know, I was big into the party scene 
drugs, alcohol, all of those things, but really food was my first love. You know, no one judged me for the way I would eat openly if I had um, polished anything off. So, you know, from there, um, that life was starting to get old. My friends were 22, 23, and uh, people were getting pregnant. They were getting engaged. They were living these lives, these lives that I wanted. And I decided, I, right, decided I wanted to have gastric bypass. So at 23, I had a gastric bypass and I went from being nearly 400 pounds to 175. Um, and I thought, you know, Bill's story, I had arrived. <laughs> I was very wrong. Uh, it was just getting going for me. Um, and so in that moment, the disease kind of took its hand out of mine and put it ever so not lovingly around my neck at that point. Um, I spent the next few years binging and purging on repeat uh, to the point where my teeth were cracking and falling out of my mouth. My hair was falling out. Um, my doctors were concerned about my blood work. And, you know, I know that it didn't matter the childhood that I had and some really good step four and step five work about that. Um, it, my disease was with me from the start, regardless of my childhood experiences. And I know that because I was the craziest when I was the thinnest. When I'm not in the food and I'm not recovered, I am a raw nerve on, on two feet walking. Um, you know, and there was so much more that, that took place, but um, I was scared of what was happening with my health and I didn't want to live over a toilet or a garbage bag anymore. And so I stopped and I just, the disease came right back and, you know, moved its hand from my neck back into mine. And, and I thought I was in this loving partnership again, just eating, eating the food um, to the point of making myself violently ill a lot. But I went right back up the scale, back over 300 pounds in just a couple years time. Um, you know, so back to step three, like we, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him, right? And I want to pick this apart for a second. So I hear people when they talk about step three, they really focus on the word decision, right? And like a decision is different from a resolution. And I'm, I'm all for that. But for whatever reason, right, set it aside. Um, when I was, you know, playing word nerd and looking up things, what really stood out to me about this step is the word made. And it, for me, maybe it's because made is a verb just like love is a verb. And, you know, it, when you look up the definition of made, it says bring into existence by shaping or changing. And that's what this is. Step three is like, all right, I'm signing up. Like, let's do this. Um, and three is my favorite because it's me turning over the keys saying, all right, you know, I don't, I don't know who you are, what you are, where you are. I just know that I can't do this anymore, right? I needed the disease's hand from off of my neck and out of my hands, and I trust you. Um, and for me, step three is the beginning of that rewiring. 
you know, when I share my story, I talk about how like I live the first half of my life with my brain and my heart separate. There was no wiring between. And when I am aligned, those it flows freely, right? Because I, I do things from the heart and my ego is not running the show. Um, you know, and so when we're looking in the book, you know, and we talk about the how, well, the, the three is like, yes, I'm ready. And the how is four through 12, but there's work to be done in three. Um, page 61, you know, it talks about the actor who wanted to run the whole show. That was me. Um, that was me. That was me. Everywhere I went, I needed to be behind the scenes, handing out snacks at the door, ushering people in, telling you where to sit, adjusting the lights, going over your lines, changing your lines, then talking about you poorly because I changed your lines. Um, you know, when I go down and this was how I lived my life and I paraphrase a lot, so forgive me, but it said, if only people would do as I wished, my life would be great. Everybody, including me, would be happy. Well, that's bullshit because I was never happy, ever. I never had enough, whether it was food, whether it was square footage, whether it was money in the bank, whether it was clothing or letters behind my name or accolades, it was never enough, never. You know, and for me, I had two default settings. I had two emotions that I felt, if I'm gonna just be completely honest here. Uh, one was fear and the other one was self-righteous anger that if I felt that you were about to take something or screw with my plan, you got the bully. You got the angry Melissa, right? Um, and the other one was, was, was fear all the time. I was terrified of everything. Terrified to even be happy, scared to get married because I thought it wouldn't end well. Um, you know, and, and for me, I found that the more tightly I squeezed and tried to manipulate and control everything, the more damage I did. I sucked the fun out of everything because I was trying to manage everything. Um, you know, I was like a hurricane and I see the ugly side of life in my profession. I, I literally deal with human trafficking, child abuse, domestic violence, drug use. Um, you know, all of the crazy things. And I would take that needing to manage and control those situations and bring them home to my family so much so that I wouldn't be alone in the car with my husband without my son, because I was scared that we would get into a car accident and we would be, we would both get killed and my, my son would be an orphan. So for the first four or five years of my son's life, we didn't go anywhere. We didn't take any trips. We didn't even go to the mall. We didn't go on dates unless it was like a two mile radius, because that's how scared I was of everything. He doesn't have babysitters, right? Like my baby monitor had a backup baby monitor monitor because I was just scared, raw nerve walking. Um, you know, but again, like I was calamity. I didn't communicate clearly. I didn't, I, I confused people enough so I could just slip my will in there, right? And just get things done the way that I wanted to. Um, Going further down in the book, it says selfishness and self-centeredness driven by a hundred forms of fear. You know, the first time that I did my fourth and my fifth step, um, my sponsor, 
who was the first sponsor that I had in program, she told me, you're very selfish. And I, I balked at her. Like, I almost dropped my phone. Selfish? What are you talking about? I'm a social worker. I started a non-for-profit based around kindness. I buy people's coffee ahead of them. I feed homeless people. I am the most selfish and self-centered human being I know. Because for me, I did all of those nice things to make the world a better place for me. So I could be more comfortable. So you would like me. So you would accept me because when you're the fat girl who doesn't have any money growing up in a ritzy little town, if you're good at doing volunteer work, at least you find your place and people will like you, right? And all self-serving. Um, you know, and, and the, the reality of it is that my heart was very cold, you know, for his loving and his hugging and rally this and pass out Gatorades on hot day that. I was ice. I was ice inside. Um, and I made a life of looking like I cared for others. But, you know, the truth was it was about creating my own safety net. So what does this all mean? We'll go down in the book. It says my troubles are of my own making. I'm the one screwing things up, right? Um, I would never be happy enough because my end game was wrong. For me, it's not about being happy. If my goal is happy, I will always be upset. Always, always, right? I can't go into it thinking, how can I be happy here? It's about being useful. It's about showing up in a way that makes the world a better place and not snapping a selfie after and taking a picture for Facebook, right? Or telling everybody about it or whatever. Um, Happiness is a side effect of genuine care and effort for other people. The, the quiet things, the taking out the garbage, the doing the dishes, the anonymously buying Christmas presents for a family, um, helping a fellow when you've had a really long, crazy day in alternative education and someone's in crisis and they need help and you answer that phone call. Side effect is happy, but that's not my goal in life anymore. Um, what I've learned is that it's because it's about effort that I can control my, use my will for effort, me, just, just me and what I'm, what I'm capable of bringing to the table. Um, and really contentment comes from when life isn't bad or good for me. It just is. It just is. Things just, they just are right. And some people like really love the slogan, like it is what it is. And I used to say that like, oh, it is what it is. But like, this sucks. I'm angry about this. A lot of times now I'm noticing like it is what it is, right? Like I'm not going to take a bucket to Lake Erie and try and stop the tide. Like, can you come back at nine? We're out looking for beach glass. So I'd really appreciate if the waves could just, no, I would look like an idiot. But guess what? That's what I did my whole life is I tried to arrange everything. Um, you know, and so like now what? Now what do we do? Well, I had to quit playing God. Uh, little by little, the demonstrations of willingness, you know, saying, you know, they show like, yes, I need your help. One, two, boom, I am a mess. Two, I need something bigger than me to get me out of this mess. Three, I'm going to give this a shot, right? We're here. That's step three in and of itself. Um, you know, the thing of, of step three is that it's too much me. 
my life was too much about me and not enough about you. You know, you, I've heard it in the rooms a million times and I love it, but I was the biggest piece of crap in the middle of the universe. That's how I lived my life. Um, you know, and so for me, step three is this, right? I remember being in first grade and I had like a little mullet. I was this little like chubby monkey little girl thing. And uh, I wanted to be the line leader so bad, but I had like no charisma, no pull. Like I was just awkward, raw nerve, even at a young age, right? And I wanted to be the line leader so bad. So I was like lying. I made up this lie about like my dog had died and my house burned down and I like elbowed kids to the front and I like snuck my name to where the where the class jobs go and I put my little laminated name up top and I was like, yes, I am gonna lead this line and like my life is gonna be perfect. And <laughs> the crazy thing is, is that that was all a lie because I wasn't really the line leader then. My teacher was. It was just an illusion. I just followed the teacher where, where she went in first grade and like thought I was cooler than the kids in back of me. And that's really how I lived my life. And that's why I need step three um, because I had this illusion that I was running other people's lives really well and I wasn't. Mine was a dumpster fire. I almost weighed 400 pounds. Who the hell am I to tell anybody how to live their life? I guess your bypass and binged on McDonald's and puked on the side of the highway. What am I doing telling anybody how to do anything, right? Um, you know, so it's this false sense of control. And the biggest thing for me is that I hurt other people, right? And we talk about that. Like we, we step on the feet of our fellows and they retaliate. And then I'm the one that's upset. So, so how do I live step three? Well, I'm going to tell you right now that uh, my ass is in the back. Two minutes. Okay, beautiful. Um, you know, I didn't know that I was leading. And so there's, there's four, there's four or five things. So the first thing to be in the line is that I have to be quiet. I have to be present and paying attention to directions. Because if I'm too much, yeah, 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 me, me, me up here, I can't listen. I can't hear. Two, it's trusting. Being in the back of the line, I have to believe that this line takes me where I have to go. Three, it's courteous and it's helpful. When I'm in the back of the line, someone drops something, I see it and I pick it up, but also no one's in line behind me. No one is ever left alone. Four, there's no room for eager ego because I can't push, I can't rush, I can't stop. I arrive as I meant to. And five, it's simply one foot in front of the other. It's simple. I don't have to over explain anything if I'm in line with step three. I'm not making you know, excuses or apologies. I'm not complicating things. It's one foot in front of the other. And oftentimes the simplest thing is the right thing to do because it's the opposite of what I would want to be doing. Um, so the step three prayer is beautiful to me and I encourage anyone to make it their own. Um, real quick, I'll read mine. It says, here I am, take over my life, recreate me and use my life as you see fit. Help me make the me in me less important than your beautiful plan. Help me to live in peace and contentment as a demonstration of your perfect plan and your perfect love for my life. Um, you know, and I think for me, I was really scared at step three because so many awful things had happened to me as a kid and growing up and I, you know, got wrapped around like, why do bad things happen? And for me, I think there are some really awful things that happen to people. And, you know, people are like, oh, well, that's the plan. And I'm like, eh. 
See, I don't, I don't think so. I think that people use their will in a bad way sometimes and hurt people, me being one of them. Um, and I think it upsets God or whatever you call it as much as, as, much as us. Um, a month ago, I had a, I had a miscarriage. And if you know me, I'm an infertility mom and I've been real wrapped around like trying to set up the perfect story for my family. Um, you know, and what's, what's beautiful to me is that in that story of the miscarriage, there was no protagonist or an antagonist. It was a God-tagonist that I had a recovered, recovering fellow who happens to be an RN literally on the phone by me, like me giving her play-by-plays of what was happening, getting the encouragement to go to the doctor. I was happened to be off from school. It didn't happen at school. I was on spring break. I had all this time off and care for Noah. I was vaccinated. Um, and I saw it eventually as a thank you. Thank you body for noticing that something was wrong, giving me the opportunity to carry this beautiful gift, noticing that something genetic, whatever wasn't right, and my body did what it needed to do. That's not my thinking. No way. My thinking has me throwing water balloons at people walking out of Babies R Us. My thinking has me, you know, still crying and unfollowing people on Facebook that are, no. No, that's, that's all something bigger than me that I handed the keys over to because I can just see it more beautifully. So, you know, I'll close with this. Thank you. Um, my disease doesn't hold my hand anymore. I hold yours. And I hold my students, my family, and people that I can help out in the world. And as long as I keep my hand close to all of yours, then I know where my higher power is. So thank you so much. I love you. And with that, I will pass. Okay, now I'm going to read a script. Oh, I can see all of you and you're clapping. That's going to make me cry. Um, okay, so we will now open the meeting for questions or three minutes share. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied. We ask that you accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, raise your virtual hand, which is under or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host. We'll call the raised hands in order. Victoria, would you please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? Okay. All right, Amy, are you good to call on people? Okay. Faye, go ahead. Thank you, Amy, so much. And Melissa, wow, what a beautiful, beautiful qualification. Um, you really touched my heart and I related so much to the ego thing and the solution being, being of service. And um, I have a girlfriend who's dying. She has, uh, well, she's dying. And so she's leaving New York where we live to go home to Minneapolis for hospice. And so last weekend, we all were to meet in the park to say goodbye to her. Our friend group hasn't seen each other for the past year because of the obvious reasons. And my ego was like, I can't go. 
I can't go. I'm so fat. Like I got so much fatter during COVID. I can't go. So I called my sponsor and I'm working, I'm in step one. Right. So I called my sponsor and I said, you know, I've been invited to this thing. And I told her the truth. I told her the details and I said, but you probably don't want me to go. Right. Because they're going to have lunch. It's a food thing. And I, I really, I have a feeling you probably think I, and she was like, Faye, you're going, you're going, you're packing your food and you're going. And she said, I assure you, no one cares in the least about your weight. No okay. one cares about your weight. And she said, I want you to go and I want you to look for ways to be of service. And it was so beautiful. And because she helped me get my ego out of the way that I really related to that piece of crap around which the world revolves, the universe revolves. She helped me to get that out of the way. And I was able to connect with my friend and say goodbye and hug her and then spend time with her mother who I can't imagine what she's going through. And I was able to play with my other friend's daughter for an hour so my other friend could have a closure and, and some quality time with our friend. And just, it was so beautiful. And I thought, this is how God works, you know? Like God spoke to me through my sponsor and that's good orderly direction. And I just feel so grateful to have found this community. I'm new here, obviously, but I'm just so grateful that it's like, oh my gosh, these are the people, you are the people I prayed for. I prayed show me my people, show me my tribe, show me God-centered women who have been where I am and are going where I want to be or are where I want to be. And then here this is, and it's just so beautiful. And I'm so thankful. Um, and I do have a question, which is when you do go through those very difficult things that you deal with in your job and in your life, how do you recenter and recover? Like what, what's your self-care? What do you do to, to take care of yourself? Mm -hmm. Okay. First of all, Faye, I'm so sorry about your friend and how beautiful that is that you got to be present. Right. Um, and welcome home. Number two. Um, well, my job got a whole lot easier when stop thinking that I needed to control everything and every outcome. Um, and, uh, you know, actually, I was on an outreach call a few months ago with a friend and we were talking about step three stuff because I was really like pissed about not having another baby because the backside of it is that my, my five-year-old had a tumor this summer and that's when we were supposed to restart infertility, but I got pregnant on my own. So like, it's all this craziness, right? And so I'm processing it with um, a fellow and he was talking to me about like you can't control everything that everyone does and sometimes you need to learn the hard way because how many times did you try to kill yourself with food before you found program before you wave the white flag and so for me that was a big that was a big thing like I have kids that get taken out of my school in handcuffs on a regular basis right um, and I used to like throw myself in front of them and beg and plead and like make all these deals or, you know, take things very personal and get wrapped up in that. 
Um, and I know how many times I had to get knocked around to get where I needed to be. You know, I, what, what does my sponsor say? I didn't show up on the doorstep of OA on a winning streak, you know? And so for them, like maybe that experience in jail is going to be the best thing for them. Um, part two of that though, is like when my kids are victims of things or even the miscarriage or Noah's tumor this summer, uh, how would God have me be? Would God have me be a Looney Tune and thinking about me during this meeting of all these horrible things? Or would God have me sitting next to my girl today, rubbing her back, telling her to bring me her dirty laundry and I'll wash her clothes for her, right? And that's that's my like little hula hoop diameter of control that I have is that I get to show up as love. And sometimes love is being honest or shutting my mouth. Um, but yes, I have a whole wicked self-care regimen that I'm happy to share with you, but that would take way longer than three minutes because, but it, this is part of this, that people are like, oh, you run a nonprofit and you have a crazy job and you have kids and like a life and like, how do you fit program in? Hmm. I'm better in all of my roles when I work my program, when I'm making my outreach calls, when I'm on a meeting tonight, instead of mindlessly scrolling Facebook, when I'm doing what I need to do. I show up way more sane in all of those roles. So call me, I'll tell you all about self-care. Thank you, Faye. Thank you, Faye. Victoria, you're up. Hi, I'm Victoria, I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm gonna time myself, no special treatment here. And um, I, wow, it's so glad to see you all. Um, thank you so much, Melissa. That was just, Incredible doesn't begin to describe, um, to, to describe it for me. I, I, a lot of what you said really resonated with me. Um, my job is in a helper role and it was earth shattering <laughs> to me to be smacked in the face with how selfish I was. Um, and so I know that now, but I also love that you said it out loud that you made it okay. That, that we don't have to have our secrets here, right? Whatever we think is, is the ugliest thing that we could say, it's, it's really good to get it out there. You know, I, how could I be, you know, you know what I did? I, I worked with five kids with developmental disabilities today. I told somebody that they're, I had to tell somebody they're going to die. Feel bad for me, right? Am I thinking about, I mean, I was feeling bad about the person that I had to tell that to, but you know who I was really concerned with? wow, how am I going to get through today having to, to put this load on me, right? Like who thinks like that? But you know, I, addicts do, I do, um, I do. And when I'm having a pity party for myself, I bring all the refreshments. That's what I've learned. That's what I've learned through this program. I call the caterer, you know? And so, um, I'm so grateful. I can't tell you that I'm not selfish anymore. Absolutely would not say that. Um, but I can tell you that sometimes it's a little bit easier for me to take my head out of my butt and to, you know, to say, okay, I really want to be on Netflix tonight because I'm tired, right? Because I'm tired. But um, how about I go get on this meeting where I want to see all these people who make me smile, where I can hear the message of my higher power, where I can be of use by pressing a button on a phone, you know, that's so awesome. And so I just, 
I love that. And then real quick, really quickly with the rest of my time, I, I also wanted to just say thank you for speaking about the fear of being, the fear to be happy, the foreboding joy, the feeling that the other shoe is going to drop at any moment when things are going right. Um, and you know what? I don't know that things are going to go right. I don't know that. I, I see a lot of pain in, in the world, you know, but I also think without this program, I couldn't see the wonderful things. And I'm, I'm so grateful for the ability to notice both and not just um, things that I could complain about or things that I was worrying about that might go wrong and usually did because I had my thinking in the wrong place. So thank you again. And uh, thanks everyone for letting me share. Thank you, Victoria. Kelly, you're up. Hi, Kelly Compulsive Overeater. Thank you so much, Melissa. You are one strong ass woman. Um, I, I love hearing you speak and you know, you've helped me tremendously, tremendously from the first time I heard you speak um, till now. And it's funny because I know Sherry M is on this meeting and she was like, you need to listen to this speaker one time. And then I went on the meeting and I heard you speak. And then I just, I, I felt so connected to you. And um, I'll never forget this time when I was in Naples with my family. And you know, when you want to act out so bad and like, you don't want to talk to anyone because you know, no one's going to help. So like you call, but like, you just don't even want to hear it. And I decided to call you right before picking up. And I just speaking with you gave me so much strength because you didn't try to talk me out of it. You just related to me. You weren't better than me. You, I wasn't less than you. You had what I had and you just told me what you do when you feel the way I feel. And it like, like I've never spoken to somebody where I literally got off the phone and was like, what's the next right thing? Like I had no desire. It wasn't like then a debate. And I'm just so grateful for that. And I see that you put everything into your program. And, you know, step three is just, I mean, it's something I have to work at every single day, every day. I, you know, one of my defects that I struggle with is entitlement. And I had signed up for a yoga class for me and my sister-in-law. I didn't tell her about it. Long story short, you need 12 hours to cancel or they charge you. So I missed the 12 hour mark and I called to cancel and I was livid that they would charge me, you know, and it's like, well, that's the policy, you know, and I called them and I was like, well, you know, this is a situation. It was a surprise for my sister-in-law. She doesn't want to go. So now I was just, is there anything you can do? And they were like, no. Anyway, I was literally fuming and I needed to like check myself and be like, Kelly, like who am I? So then the next day I called back, called back and the owner called me who I know. And it was so embarrassing and it was mortifying. And it's like, Kelly, you're, you're trying to control, like you're the exception, like, because you know, everyone there. And it was like, so humiliating. And it's like, God, let that be the last time that I like try to get my will because I really, I really did not feel good after that. And that yucky feeling is not God's will. Like God's will for me is that instinct, that nudge inside where I'm like, yeah, like, I know this is the right thing or no, I know this is the wrong thing. And that was definitely the wrong thing. And I feel shitty about it. And that almost, it's like the way you talked about your body with the miscarriage. It's like, yeah, your body feels shitty because it's rejecting something that shouldn't be in there. Like I feel shitty because my mind is doing something that doesn't feel right. That's not the right thing to do. So it's, it's interesting, the clearer that I get, 
it's it's a it's a more potent feel reminder because I'm cleaner I'm cleaner so thanks for letting me share. thank you Kelly